Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Yes. But when you get hit clean, it doesn't matter how good of a boxer you are, you'll go down, especially against AJ. Those body shots are going to kill him tonight. All haters, look at Joshua's face. He never warned anyone like that. Inevitable end is coming three times. Playing mind games. He will touch him a couple times, showing he's going to the body and boom. One of the rights lands properly, not tired, and he's out. Come on, AJ. That's Anthony Joshua. AJ will win this one. Like when he lost to Andy Ruiz, he made some changes. And I feel like he's doing the same again. He's making changes. I think Joshua's going to get the job done inside six, seven rounds. I think he's going to catch it. Treated like that, and push. You outboxed the fucking best boxer in the world. For rounds, you, you beat him at his own game. Your game plan was perfect. Perfect. He nicked it just at the end. Yeah. He thought he'd won one judge for one. I thought AJ nicked it. I thought it was a 7 5 to AJ. Yeah, I did, yeah. Wow, indeed. I'm Kyle Mack. Welcome back to Combat Chronicles. The topic for today is mainly going to be Usyk Joshua 2. As you can see there, a little bit of fun with some of the predictions and some of the post-fight fallout. I mean, Steve Bunce had a lot of time. He has a lot of time for everyone. He was always helpful for me when I started writing about boxing. Nice guy, but he really showed himself up saying he thought AJ won the fight 7-5. That was from the uh, BBC Radio 5 live boxing podcast, which is always good to catch up with. Uh, after the big fights because they're on site and it sort of gives you that big fight fallout feeling. Um, <coughs> I'm still struggling with COVID, so apologies uh, if the edit's a bit weird or if I cough briefly like that. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about the fight. Um, first and foremost, for those that are not aware, the rematch between Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usyk for the WBA Super, uh, IBF and WBO and the ring titles because it appears that they stripped Fury due to being retired. More on that later. Um, and it's for the ring title. So, big heavyweight title rematch. Alexander Usyk, the best and greatest 200 pound cruiserweight of all time, versus Anthony Joshua, uh, former multi belt heavyweight champion. Both Olympic gold medalists, one at heavyweight, one at super heavyweight, both in the same games uh, 10 years ago this week um, first fight recapped it on the patrons so I don't want to go over it too much again but uh, Usyk uh, sort of dominated that fight and, and got Joshua late uh, in this one the big talk was about what adjustments 
uh, AJ could make in order to make this a tougher fight for Usyk and give him a better chance of winning. And on that podcast, I did go over a few things that I thought AJ should do. Um, one of which was hold with the left hand and hit Usyk in the body with the right. Because it's something which he did once in the first fight and Usyk seemed to really not like. And it appears to me that they picked up on that because Joshua tried that early on in the first round and very experienced referee Luis Pabon immediately pulled him up for it. Um, I said as well that he needed to be more proactive with the jab, even though he wasn't landing to the head, he needed to push it to the body, uh, needed to uh, make it so Usyk had less avenues of escape. Uh, he didn't really do that, but he was better uh, jabbing in this fight. And was more, more proactive with the left hand in general, uh, trying to cut Usyk's exits off with body shots and whatnot, um, which he was more successful with. Uh, in that first fight, the idea was that AJ tried to box with Usyk. And as I spoke about in the Patreon pod, shameless plug, uh, sign up if you haven't already. It's a good one. And there's more like that coming. Um, as I said in that pod, podcast, that was never the case. Uh, Joshua's uh, weapons have been limited by Usyk's approach, took away his jab, therefore uh, basically took away... Uh, Joshua's weapons, he only really had the ability to counter sporadically with a right hand as he was unable to get any consistent offence going due to the jab being taken away from him. And he was following Usyk around because Usyk's just so elusive, quick, uh, the angles were just too much for Joshua to keep up with, he was constantly turning him, and these are all things that Joshua had to work on. So what Joshua did in this fight was good, he was still steady, didn't run in, go crazy, I said this as well, if that was going to happen he was probably going to get chinned, he was unable to establish the jab consistently enough, but he was able to let his hands go more and at times, very rare occasions, was able to herd Usyk towards the ropes and let off a flurry of body shots, which looked really good. Um, Eye-catching. Um, I'm going to talk about the fight as a whole and then I'm going to tell you how I felt last night live and then how I felt on rewatch this morning. So, those are eye-catching uh, shots. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, fucking COVID. And basically, I think Joshua had a steadier approach and was able to be more competitive with Usyk in stretches. Actually won one one round conclusively and uh, made a good fist of it. Still uh, outgunned, essentially. So what I've noted is uh, he's more proactive hunting the body, more proactive with the jab, uh, this is the first round. Usyk was still way too good in the clinch. Um, one of the rhetorics going into the fight was Joshua needs to use his size. He needs to show him who the big man is. He needs to throw him about and put his weight on him. You're not going to learn how to be a better clinch fighter in such a short amount of time. Um, the first fight was in uh, September 2021. Uh, Joshua apparently has been in camp not long after that. Um, I think he chose Robert Garcia as a trainer about five six months ago. So... Yeah, um, Usyk was still way too good in the clinch. Easy able to control the biceps or getting over under. Put, actually pushed Joshua off at times, as he did in the first fight. Trying to create more space so he could hit him more. Usyk was right up for it in that regard. Um, after the third round, Joshua was told, you're winning every round by his trainers. I assume that's the sort of sort of positive reinforcement. So if he, he just keep doing the same thing, because at that point it was sort of nip and tuck, quite close. Um, or quite, quite quite competitive so I think that was the sort of feeling there but it was quite embarrassing to hear that in the fifth round really bad um, right hand low blow from Joshua similar to 
the uh, Majidov uh, shot, which was a, a straight right hand, but on the belt line, uh, back from the World Series of Boxing, which was Usyk's only uh, count he's taken since being an amateur. Uh, that was essentially an amateur contest, but other pro rules and the fighters were paid. So that one was on the cusp. still think U- Usyk took the count in that one because uh, he thought he was getting uh, a low blow call. Um, in this one, the low blow was noticed. And uh, Usyk had a chance to recover. Again, didn't take long because he wanted to just get back on Joshua. But it was really bad. Uh, uh, low blow, that one. Uh, at the end of that round, actually, Usyk started trying different methods to try and draw out AJ's leads. He was dropping his hands, offering an easier target, uh, sort of offering the play speedball with his head. Uh, AJ didn't really take the bait, but Usyk started to deploy more from his toolbox to try and confuse AJ at that point. In the sixth round, AJ was trying to cut off Usyk's uh, exits with the left hand. Uh, first with a 2-3, which I thought was uh, was really nice. He sort of right hand, left hook, uh, and then with a body shot. Uh, it was similar to the first fight. Anything sort of success he had, he was unable to do it regularly. Uh, basically, he was a two unsure with the jab. Uh, having had the jab take away from him, he wasn't able to find his range enough. Um, he did a nice little combo to the body at the end. Uh, the problem is with these combos to the body, they look really good. They sound pretty good. A lot of them were hitting arms. Um, but trying to give you an idea of the ebb and flow of this fight. Um, you notice I haven't really spoke much about Usyk. I'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, the big story of this fight is that what AJ did differently. Because, of course, Usyk didn't need to do anything differently. He won the fight uh, in a resounding fashion. In the round eight, this was a round last night, which I thought uh, AJ had won. A uh, couple of body shots in this round, uh, but a lot of them were sort of hitting elbows. Uh, Usyk was peppering Joshua throughout the round. I'm going to talk about the dynamic uh, sort of before and after, after the uh, after I t- sort of summarised the fight. Uh, he was hypnotised for much of that round, AJ, but it did sort of, it was a sign of things to come. Round nine was, in my opinion, AJ's best round of the fight, and given who he was fighting, the best round of his career to date. He slipped inside the jab and shot a counter right to the body. Really nice shot. Something he's been working on and it worked really well. Usyk did appear to be hurt and AJ was piling it on. There was a couple of dirty rabbit punches that I didn't really like. Sort of hammer fists to the top and back of the head. Um, so yeah, really big round for AJ. And last night when I watched it, I thought, wow, he, he's got him here. Round 10, my notes here say a terrifying round. Usyk comes out, batters AJ, fainting him inside out, hitting him with combos that Joshua can't deal with. He landed a big right hand. Uh, AJ did land a big right hand down the pipe, um, sort of as Usyk was punching, and uh, Usyk firmed it, and then just all over, all over him. In round eleven, I've just said Usyk was taking the piss. There was times where he was sort of trying to open AJ up with a lead, uppercut. He was just peppering him, just touching him, stepping round, doing what he wanted. Um, and I've noticed AJ has nothing left, and the right. Uh, body counter was not getting anywhere close. Uh, for, final round. It's the best round for AJ since the ninth. Managed to land the right hand and a couple of nice body shots. Usyk's throwing the one, two, three and pivoting out. And AJ is completely all at sea every time he does it. You'll notice this. Jab, backhand, outside pivot, right hand round the guard. AJ sometimes nearly always his, always had his back to Usyk. Um, what I liked in the first fight was he was actually, as Usyk was doing that, he was throwing the right hand as he did it and catching him on the way out. Um... Not not cleanly, but it was it was something, um, and he didn't seem to really have a great uh, answer for that this time. Not after round nine anyway, where he, he implemented that really really well. So let's talk about how the fight felt. Last night I felt it was quite competitive. Um, probably gave Joshua four rounds. I thought that round nine he came really close to stopping Usyk, and I thought generally Joshua's approach was a lot more improved. Uh, he he fought well. 
I thought that he'd fought as well as he could in the first fight. But actually, he probably fought a little bit better here just in terms of leveraging his own uh, advantages physically. And I thought, fair play to Joshua. He's made a really good go of that. And I stand by that. Um, given who he's fighting and Joshua's actual level of ability, I thought that he fought really, really well. But I was emotional last night. I was a nervous wreck, actually. Um, you know, trying to be an objective analyst is one of my things. Not just in terms of breaking down the fights, but in terms of watching fights. Um, if you get too het up, if you get too emotional, you don't really know what you're watching. You're not as able to uh, sort of clinically pick up what's happening. And also, just it, it makes fights less enjoyable, I find, if you're like genuinely worried about one of the fighters that are, that are in, the, in the belt. However... Alexander Usyk is basically one of the few fighters that I still have an emotional connection with. I love the guy. He's probably my favourite active fighter. He might be my favourite fighter of all time. Followed him since his amateur career. And to watch his journey from sort of, uh, sort of amateur glory to professional glory at cruiserweight level, beating a, a host of fighters that I was really impressed by, to now beating Joshua twice at heavyweight. you got to think, I'm an English guy, I'm a British guy. Um... Joshua's a massive deal over here. I had to deal with a lot of people telling me how great Joshua is for years. For my favourite fighter to be the guy that's comprehensively beaten him twice is a really big deal. I say comprehensive. Last night, I say, probably about 8-4. Rewatched the fight this morning. Um, I'd recorded it. My dad had got up and watched it without me. I thought we were going to watch it together. And I said, I wanted to rewatch that really because I'm trying to analyse it for the podcast and I didn't really have my head screwed on last night. Chuck it on again, son. So we put it on again. So between us, we've watched it, you know, both watched it twice now. Um, and I'm surprised, actually, that the fight on second viewing was not a different fight, um, but I was more easily able to pick up on what was happening. And actually, don't think it was actually all that competitive. Even the ninth round, um, Usyk cleared out his wits about him. There were sequences where he was actually slipping a lot of those shots. Uh, there was like a four-punch combo that Joshua threw. Where Usyk slipped, dodged, ducked, pivoted out, slipped again. And it was nowhere near him. Um, in terms of optics, sure. Uh, big round for AJ. Definitely a big round for him anyway. Um, fought really well in that round. But in terms of him actually being close to getting Usyk out of there... That just didn't happen. It's a fantasy. Um, final score was actually 10 to Usyk. I gave Joshua the second and the ninth. Um, he had an argument for the eighth, and he fought quite well in the twelfth. And maybe maybe the third was sort of close, nip and tuck round. Not too much uh, going on, but you know, a couple of scorecards you get. The point I'm trying to make is overall. Uh, Usyk was far superior, and as a matter of fact, the, the, the British commentary. Uh, Adam Smith and Matthew Macklin, they seem to pick up on this by the end of the fight. Even Sky was saying, you know, Usyk's pissed that. Um, on that podcast I mentioned earlier, the, the Steve Bunce and Richie Woodall uh, podcast, Eddie Hearn and Barry Hearn, so the father-son duo that promote Joshua, both had uh, Usyk winning. Uh, Barry one one six one one two, Eddie one one five one one three. Both scoffed at any idea of Joshua fighting Usyk again. I mean, Steve Bunce, again, a lot of Bunce, he's a fantastic writer as well, but the British boxing media is so biased, and some of those quotes I used at the beginning of this podcast, they were fighter quotes, they weren't just, uh, you know, randos on Twitter. Bunce said to Barry Owen, are we set up for the trilogy? And Barry Owen was like, no. Why the fuck would you have a trilogy after that? Joshua's over 
what, 24 rounds, he's probably won five. Four or five. Maybe six, if you're, if you're being really generous. But, yeah, British boxing media, really bad. Um, so, yeah, what, what was interesting last night was the dynamic comparison that I picked up on was Manny Pacquiao versus Antonio Margarito. In the terms of the dynamic of Southport trying to keep his back off the ropes and the big danger being the body shots and actually being around. It was the sixth round, I think, in Pacquiao Margarito and obviously the ninth here where one guy seemed to be under serious duress with the body shots. Um, still sort of stand by that to an extent, but rewatching the fight today, Usyk was never in that amount of trouble. I actually had a theory for a while that um, that Margarito fight took a lot out of Pacquiao. But um, yeah... Obviously, again, also, Josh was not the pressure fighter that Margarito is. So, similarity, sure. Uh, sort of the, the ebb and flow was kind of similar. But I stand by it to an extent. Rewatching today wasn't really anywhere near as close to that. Interesting anyway. The Pacquiao comparison I want to stay with. Because the only way to beat Usyk is to be able to consistently punch with him. And that's the problem. With Pacquiao and his prime, people used to cover up, take a shell in, try and hit him here and there. He was too quick, he'd get round you, he'd pop off 25 punch combination, you'd have no choice but to stand there and take it. Now, unless you are Juan Manuel Marquez, who's able to aggressively counter punch Pacquiao, catch him coming forward, catch him walking in the shots, and essentially stop him dead in his tracks, cause him to reset, give you a breather, whilst also landing, damaging, scoring shot. Now, Joshua did that uh, briefly in, the, in, say, the 10th round, when he landed that big right straight which pushed Usyk back he did it briefly in the 12th round with another right hand and he did it essentially when he set up that body shot that counter punch he slipped inside the jab and hit Usyk as he was trying to get a shot off that's what you've got to do you've got to hit him in motion as he's coming into a shot if you're trying to punch pick with this guy he will pick you off all day now Anthony Joshua hasn't got those capabilities has Tyson Fury got those capabilities? I think he may have. Um, we're going to get back to Tyson Fury now, actually, because obviously after the fight, he said one of the worst fights he'd ever seen. And yes, he is going to come back. Well, we will see about that. Um, I'd be surprised if he signs a fight anytime soon. Maybe next May or something like that. I don't know. Uh, next March? I don't know. Usyk needs to speak to... Usyk's people need to speak to Bob Aram's people, essentially, and see what happens. Usyk is now essentially a free agent... Um, and want to see how it goes. So, yeah, Joshua just didn't have the capabilities, and that's again Joshua's the interesting one here. Usyk's just amazing, uh, brilliant fighter. He's the best pound for pound fighter in the world. We're watching a great fighter in their prime, and sometimes fighters we catch up to them later. With Usyk, we're getting a chance to see a fighter here who is a legend in his own time. So we need to appreciate that. The reason I didn't speak much about Usyk's tactics or what he's doing because it's what he does to pretty much everyone. You know. He's like a little uh, bit of a snake charmer, really. I mean, it'll, it'll lull you into this. It'll, it'll, it'll pop off, hit you with uh, one-twos, bring the right hand round the outside. The left hand has no tell. They're so good. You know, it, someone doesn't even need to faint to get the left straight off. He'll just pop it out, catch you because his timing's so good. Defensively, he's like, you know, one of the best big men defensive fighters I've ever seen. Um... Yeah, you know, I saw someone say, I don't know where it was, but someone was saying something like, who was it? I can't think, but it was something like, oh, we're being told that Usyk's like the second coming of Ali. Why is it so hard to imagine that there could be a fighter as good as Muhammad Ali or as good as any great heavyweight you care to mention? 
Usyk is a is a fantastic fighter and you know probably the best southpaw in the history of the big men. Um, has beaten. I mean, if you look who he's fought in the World Series and as a pro, you know, Majidov, Joe Joyce, uh, Murat Gasayev, Maris Bradis, Tony Bellew, Anthony Joshua twice. He has got one of the most proven chins of all time. Uh, he's ludicrously tough. So, yeah, Usyk just is a magician. He's a master. He really is a master, and we're privileged to watch him. But Joshua's the interesting one, because this is a guy who's been pumped up, uh, essentially been sold as the... And even after even after this, you know, before Derek Chisora said, look, we need him to keep winning, we need to keep making money. And afterwards, Barry Owen said, you know, a lot of people made money out of this guy. He's made boxing, put boxing back on the map in Britain to the extent that we have a lot of big shows now. Um... Probably as big as boxing's been over here since I've been into it, really. Probably since the Ben Eubank days. Even Hatton was huge, but you weren't building loads of big shows. You had Hatton and Calzaghe at the same time. They were in big shows, but you weren't, you know, weren't seeing everyone else in big shows. A lot. It was a lot of small hall stuff and, you know, in smaller arenas. Now, you know, you can get any old dross on at the O2 and fucking sell out, really. Um, so, yeah, Joshua's definitely brought boxing back. And it, the reason it was interesting was it was all on him in terms of the dynamic of the fight to do something different. So that's why I have leaned more towards what he was doing because that was the big mystery of this fight. What is Joshua going to do to turn the tide? And I think he did a lot to give himself a better chance. But ultimately, he's a level below Usyk. And I heard Eddie Hearn say after the fight that Joshua might not be satisfied with being the number three heavyweight in the world. But the fact matter is, he has found his level. I always thought Fury would have beaten him. Um, after the Wilder fights and obviously after the Joshua Ruiz fight I was pretty certain that Fury would give him a spanking and I still stand by that but he's also been just shown up by Usyk and essentially Joshua well he knocked out Pulev um, but essentially it's nearly next month is four years since he fought Alexander Povetkin and in that time uh, if we include that one uh, he's gone Three wins, two losses. No, sorry. Three wins, three losses, one loss by stoppage, and only one knockout victory in that time. So a lot of what made Joshua popular um, and impressive, you know, storming through the rankings, smashing people up, that's gone. And I think that, you know, you've got to think as well, he's not some young kid. If he was 23, 24, I'd go, do you know what? He could do something in five, six years' time. He could come back. Um, he's 33 this year. Um, I know heavyweights sort of do get better as they get older, but he's made a lot of money. He's had a couple of hard fights now. He's very much been shown his level. He's not going to be this all-time great. He is probably never going to be the legitimate heavyweight champion in the world. And the question is, can they now market him as just a sort of fun, not lower level, because he's still world-class, obviously, but you know, the big deal with AJ and the reason everyone wanted to go and see him in London and he was his big attraction was the idea was he, we were building something and all the idea that he was already the best in the world. People wanted to go and see him. He was a local attraction, essentially, um, or a national attraction. Uh, that's gone now. People, and, and, and the big thing about this is if Joshua does this, if Joshua does that, he can beat Usyk. He did it against Ruiz. 
And now we know, it doesn't matter what he did, he was just a level below. It was not a tactical issue, it was just a question of levels. He is nowhere near prepared, capable um, of beating a fighter of Alexander Usyk's calibre. But it is still important to say that he fought well. As for Usyk, as I say, the fight with Fury, it's the only one we should really have. Apparently it's the only one that he wants. He says if he fights Fury, he'll fight. If he doesn't, he won't be fighting, essentially. Then, of course, we have this bizarre thing after the fight where Anthony Joshua jumps on the mic and starts saying all sorts of weird shit. Um, you know, I don't really know what's going on in Ukraine, but it's bad. Thanks for that uh, brilliant bit of geopolitical analysis there, Anthony. And says, you know, people moan saying you want to be like Marciano and Dempsey. Oh, they're smaller than me. It's easier for them to throw punches. No one ever, no one really ever wanted that. You need to be looking at the big guys. Why aren't you able to leverage your advantages? You should never been thinking about being some big power boxer. You want to be Lennox Lewis or Vladimir Klitschko or someone like that. But you're not able to do that. More excuse making. It was really weird. He was kind of like threw off the media trained shackles. And again, that was a big reason, a big part of why he became a big star in the UK was because, you know, he was, um, your mum likes him, but also the uh, the lads going out and doing, shoving a load of coke up the nose and drinking 10 pints. Also love going to see him because he's might knock him out. So, yeah, I think um, that was part of it. Started going on about how he's not a natural boxer and he only did it to stay out of jail. And... But Usyk's good. Just give him three cheers. What the fuck are you doing? Um, he overshadows Usyk's moment. It would have been better after the first fight. Like, after the first fight, he just fucked off. Um, but it was nice not to see him sort of sat in the corner looking forlorn. And it was nice for him to uh, throw off those sort of shackles of being media trained and minding your P's and Q's, suggests to me that sort of he has now gone over the edge of uh, sort of just realisation, you know. Might as well as be myself. Because, you know, no point keeping up the pretense anymore. I'm never going to be the man anyway. Apparently he's distraught, apparently he's devastated. He just really thought he was going to do it. Well, sorry, son, you're not able to do so. And in losing the fight so comprehensively and then making a bit of a twat of yourself afterwards... Uh, you've become the narrative in ways you probably didn't expect. Not going to talk much about the undercard because it was uh, tripe. Um, but you know, you had uh, Zhang versus Hergovic on the undercard. Just a mess of a heavyweight fight. Two guys that are going absolutely nowhere and pretty bad decision to boot. So yeah, never really been particularly sold on Hergovic. Seems like an interesting uh, sort of new wave heavyweight. Uh, clear to see he's got absolutely nothing for Usyk. Um, it might be nice for him to make that fight just to sort of give Usyk a night off and give me a night off because it's one of the few fights for Usyk I could watch and just go into it with no stress. Be piece of piss. Uh, not at all an issue for him. And yeah, make that. Make that while Fury's making his mind up. Uh, but yeah, outside that, you know, there was other notable fighters on the card. Just don't give a fuck about talking about it. Generally, it was shit. And how do you talk about any boxing after such an amazing main event? You know, Usyk proving once and for all that he is one of the best two heavyweights in the world, the best pound-for-pound pound fighter around, and possibly the greatest fighter of his era. Another fighter who's seen as uh, a great fighter in his own time, one of the greatest of all time in his sport, was Buakal. And he fought this past week at Rajadam Nern. We're going to look at that after this. Combat Chronicles podcast is here to bring you previews, reviews and a look at the rich history of combat sports. The only way we can do it is with your support. So please head on over to www.patreon.com slash combat chronicles. 
But of course, monetary support is not the only way you can get involved. Head on over to your preferred podcast platform and give us a five-star rating and review to make the podcast more visible to others. Thanks for listening and back to the show. The UFC 278 portion of this podcast is actually over on the Patreon, at least will be in the next couple of days, where I'll talk about the Leon Edwards, Kamaru Usman fight, the Aldo uh, Mirab fight, probably Paulo Costa and Luke Rockhold, and maybe a couple of interesting other bits as well. So if you want to hear my thoughts on that card, head on over to the Patreon, www.patreon.com slash combatchronicles. Now, really weird, Buakau, back in Rajadamnern Stadium in Bangkok, one of the most incredible stadiums in the world, but fighting a three-round exhibition against uh, Kota Miura, who's a Japanese MMA prospect. He's 1-0. and He uh, head-kicked a sort of uh, prissy-looking Japanese kid uh, last year on New Year's Eve. Um, and he's somewhat famous, mainly because his da- I think his, his dad's a footballer, and still is a footballer, uh, and and his, I think his old dear is a, is a model or something. Um... But yeah, he's a relatively interesting MMA prospect, 1-0. And I assumed the reason he was having an exhibition with Burkow is he's somewhat marketable. He looks like he's a good-looking young lad. I think he's 20, 21 years old. Cool, you know, bleach blonde hair. Got a bit of a Takeru look about him. Just looks like, you know, typical uh, anime-esque, uh, cool young Japanese kid that's marketable. And I assumed that he was probably training Muay Thai out in Thailand. So they put it together. And yeah, I see this week. He's arriving in Thailand. There are people there wanted to take photos of him and meet him, and and it, you know he had like a bit of a reception there. And I thought, oh, so he's not already over there. He's been flown over there. And then the exhibition, it obviously became apparent as the fight uh, kicked off that it was an exhibition because it was a free rounder. And obviously Bangkok Stadium fights in Lumpini and Rajadamnern, they're five rounds. So the exhibition part was because it wasn't a full, you know, FTR rules five rounds fight. FTR full tie rules, although the the uh, terms of the weapons used, it was. Um, it became quite apparent that it was not an exhibition. It was an exhibition in name only because it was a real fight. And early on, uh, Kota was sort of peppering Burkow, stepping round, trying to make the old man follow him. And in the second round, Burkow started upping it with round kicks and and trying to pressure uh, Kota back to the ropes and and building his offense pressuring him, throwing more punches. And in the third round, Burkow fucking annihilated him. Started throwing flying knees, he elbowed him, battered him, uh, pushed him to the ropes, punched him, hit him with combinations, pressured him, just laid it on thick, and eventually, with about 30 seconds left in the third and final round, uh, Kota Miura was stopped on his feet. Utterly bizarre. Why the fuck are they sending a 1-0 MMA fighter over to get slaughtered by Burkow? Now, Burkow had recently returned uh, fighting uh, and he fought in Cambodia in a 75,000-seat stadium when there was about 26 people. Utterly bizarre. Then signs up for bare-knuckle boxing. Um, Senchai has as well, BKFC. None of this makes any sense. He's now slaughtering a young MMA prospect on a fucking... Rajadam Nern card, utterly surreal. Also as well, if Kota is with Ryzen, is this another what the fuck are you doing Sakakibara? Because we've had uh, tension, famously fed to uh, Floyd Mayweather. We've got Mikaru Asakura, who's about to also be fed to Floyd Mayweather. And it now appears that they sent Kota out to get battered by Burkow. It just makes no sense to me. I don't really know what's going on. As I say, I don't know why 
um, he was sent out there. I don't know if it was Ryzen's doing, but also, you know, even I think he's probably got a decent amount of followers on Instagram. We had like quite a young sort of hipper audience in the crowd for Badger Damn Nern. A lot of girls taking selfies by the looks of it. Um, I don't really know if that was the appeal. I mean, he's he's Japanese. He's, he's not Thai. It's not like, you know, when Sang Mani was in, you know, the teenage uh, magazines as like a, a pin-up. Do you know what I mean? Like, is this guy that well-known out there? You think it's something I'd know. Um, presently, I don't. I'm just surprised. Uh, that it's happened. Um, well worth checking out. It's under nine minutes. Nice to see Burkow, the White Lotus, uh, pummeling people. Um, he did look old, in my opinion. Um, it did take in the best part of three rounds to catch up with a relatively novice mixed martial artist. Um, I don't know if it was the kind of thing where he did think it was an exhibition, then once uh, Kota started trying, and he thought, fuck it, you're having it. I'm not really sure about that, but essentially, uh, yeah, Burkow eventually turned the wick up. Uh, and pulverised the kid, and it was uh, it was somewhat thrilling, but also somewhat sad. Uh, yeah, uh, that's it for the podcast this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Obviously, the big talking point is uh, Alexander Usyk uh, defeating Anthony Joshua again, despite the best efforts of a well, what can only be called as a corrupt. Uh, judge trying to give Joshua a 115-113 card. Didn't really bother talking about that. We all knew it was going to happen. If you saw me on Twitter last night, I was losing my fucking mind because the fight was competitive enough that I thought, they're going to rob Usyk because the Saudis would love to host Joshua versus Tyson Fury, wouldn't they? they just love to do that. Well, sorry lads, didn't happen. Um, despite um, the best uh, efforts of uh, Feldman, uh, they could not rob Usyk. He was too fucking good. So yeah, more to come on the Patreon. Uh, find me over there. Find me on Twitter, CombatCR. Let me know what you thought of Alexander Usyk's performance. And let me know what you think. Do you think that he's got it in him to uh, successfully defeat Tyson Fury, the uh, self-appointed Gypsy King, who is, in my mind, still king of the heavyweights? Uh, due to lineage, due to the fact, you know, I just, I just think he's the, he's the best... Usyk's the best guy out there to challenge him. I think it's the best fight we've made in boxing. I mean that more than Spence versus Bud Crawford. I mean that more than a third fight between Estrada and Roman Gonzalez. I mean it more than Bivol versus Baturbiev. I mean it more than anything. It's the best fight we've made in boxing. I said earlier on in the year that Tension versus Takaru was the best fight we made in combat sports. What an event that was. What a day that was. Or night, depending on where you were in the world. What a fucking event that was. The anticipation, the excitement. That's how I feel about Tyson Fury versus Alexander Usyk. In my opinion, now the best fight to be made in all of combat sports. Not sure if there's going to be a regular free podcast next week, but there will be stuff coming up on the Patreon. So find me over there, find me on Twitter, and wherever you do find me, I'll be speaking to you soon. Thanks for listening.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.